0: Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Thank God we're here another day to hear from him, to bestow of his word, to increase ourselves in the word of God, to to become not greater in the sight of man, but greater in the sight of God. And I just give God glory. I give him honor. I pray and I ask him to help me to deliver the message as he has given it to me, you know, clear thought, clear thoughts, clear presentation of God's word in the name of Jesus. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread as we forgive uh, our debts Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. Yes, Lord. It all belongs to you, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, we give God glory this morning, and definitely we give him thanks. You know, sometimes things transpire. You can't even talk about it at the time. But all you know is God has been good to you. And I just want to give him glory and honor for that. Uh, Today I'm going to be talking. I'm going to continue our subject about leadership. But I'm going to talk to you today about the least being the greater. It's amazing how the things Jesus did. And, and the Word said that God was going to confine the wise with, with the, some of the most simplest things, the way he do things. And, you know, here on earth, we see those who are known to be great in prosperity, um, great in position. We see those as being the greatest, but that's not how God sees it, and that's not what his word tells us. So I, I just think if we really want to get this thing right, we've got to go to the subject matter expert, and that's God. And how do we go to him? Through his word. So here today, I want to talk to you uh, about the least being the great, greater. And uh, I'm going to be coming from the book of Matthew, the 20th chapter, starting at verse 20 through verse 28. You'll also find this account in the book of Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 35 through 45. But I'm going to start here in the book of Matthew, the 20th chapter, starting at verse 20. And it starts, it reads, starting at verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What will thou? She said unto him, Grant that these My two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. So here, I want to just take pause for a minute. Let's understand what's happening. These two young men went with Jesus to become a disciple of his, but they're still thinking in a worldly way. They joined the kingdom of God under the leadership of Jesus Christ, but they're still. their minds are still in the world, and they're still thinking that way. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting them down because here we are, some of us been saved going on 30 years, and we, there are some situations we still think in a worldly fashion. And so, believe me, I'm not putting them down. We're just examining it and trying to see where we can um, do better, you know. And so, I'm not saying they're alone in that, but I just want to examine this and bring up the point that we've got to realize we're serving in a different kingdom. We might be living here in this world, but believe me, we are not of this world. We are children of God. And so we answer to a higher calling than the standard that the world has set. You see, in the world, you might be right by something, but in the eyes of God, it is not righteous. And we've got to choose righteousness over being right, Sometimes righteousness says when you are right, you don't have to argue about it. You don't have to press the point. You don't have to come out with a, I told you so. You know, you can let it go. You can let it go. And so here we see that even though they've given their lives to the Lord and they're following after him, but there's still some conversion that need to take place in their life. Same as us. So, you know, this is the wonderful thing. And one of the reasons I had to stop right here, I had to say, God don't throw you away because you don't always do things perfect. He doesn't throw me away because I haven't done everything perfect in my life. He sees something within us that's worth working on. He see the end at the beginning. He already knew what we could be and what we will be in him. So God is, he, he, he's a wonderful God. And I, I that's an attribute of a leader. A leader do not see you where you're at. A leader will see you where you're going to be. And I thank God for that, because if God had looked at where I was when he saved me, whoo, Lord, he would have threw me in the trash can. But thank God that's not how he is. You know, he's there to help us. He see the full potential in us. He see what changes need to be made. And the thing about God, he wants us to be willing to make those changes. So I just give him glory and honor for that. But here, they're also thinking that it's a kingdom here on earth. And see, God is looking at his kingdom in heaven. He's trying to get people here on earth ready for the kingdom of heaven. And so they are thinking that they're going to rule in that time, in that land, in the kingdom of God. Verse 22 says, But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. See, come on, some of us, we kind of talk too much, and we don't even know what we're truly asking him for. He goes on to say, Are ye able to drink of the cup? That I shall drink of. Now right here Jesus is asking them. Are you willing and able to suffer with me? Are you able to partake of my sufferings? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Right here he's talking about are you willing to die with me? That baptism speaks of his death, to be totally emerged into death. Come on. They said unto him, we are able. But I don't believe with with all my heart that they understood exactly what he was saying to them. Because they're really thinking about living that life right then and there on earth. And Jesus is talking about so much more. And here we have to understand that what I love about them is even though they didn't understand, they were willing to trust him to go on with him. Here you see uh, a bit of faith working because you see that trust and believe in Jesus, not really in what's going to come next yeah, Lord, I can. I can do it. I can drink of that cup. I can be baptized in that baptism with you. They were willing to go on with Jesus. Verse 23 says, and he said unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit On my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. So Jesus let them know right then, God have already made some decisions about that. And he is not one to change any decisions that God have made. I love Jesus because even when in the garden of Gethsemane, when we see that Jesus is praying alone, when he asks his disciples to pray with him and they fall asleep and he's praying alone, he said, God, not my will, but thy will be done. He said he would drink of that bitter cup and he absolutely did. He did it for us. He did it for those who have not yet come to him. And he also did it for those who will never come to him. Oh, glory to God. Even though they will never come to him or give their life to him, he still did it for them, just in case they change their mind. (laughs) Just in case at the 11th hour. 1159, they said, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, save me. Jesus, I need you. I need you, God. See, he wasn't thinking about just his children. He wanted every man, every woman, every child to have the opportunity to join him in heaven. So here we see... That God is more than able. Even though the disciples thought they were able. Our ability comes through him. Through his ability. So yes they are able. Verse 23 says. And he said unto them. Ye shall drink indeed of my cup. And be baptized with the baptism of that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them of whom it is prepared of my father. Verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brothers. So here you see the other the other ten disciples get really upset that the brothers had the audacity to act of this. You know, I'm imagining, they probably said, who does he think he is? Who do they think they are? Do they think they're better than us, that they should be granted that? You know, a lot of times, you know, when People come out and they speak what's on their heart and their mind. I mean, I just really don't think we should get that upset with them because at least they're being honest with the Lord with what they're thinking. I'm not sure that some of the other ten didn't think that, and these two were the only two brave enough to say it. But it do it does show you that they're thinking of right now And not what's yet to come. Verse 25. But Jesus called them unto himself and said. See, Jesus understood another trait of a good leader. He knew that spite and indignation was brewing. Not only did they say it, but they felt it so much in their heart that it had to come out their mouth. Or they were going to explode. So Jesus knew this was something he needed to deal with. And this is something, a trait of a good leader. Don't get upset when your leadership come to you to talk to you because the leadership within them is drawing them to do that. We don't need all these little fires breaking out in the church. When the church is trying to do, the body of Christ is trying to lead unbelievers to Christ, We can't have the children of God fussing and fighting about who's going to be in charge. Trust your leadership that they are going to God, that they are praying about these things. Matter of fact, give them the opportunity to pray. Sometimes folks want to be so familiar with their leadership. Always, and I'm not saying you can't call your leadership, but your leadership is not your best friend. That's not why God put us there, uh, to try to be pen pals, a prayer partner. I'll be your prayer partner, but it's going to be on the line every uh, morning at 6 o'clock or on Thursdays and Wednesdays, Wednesdays at 630 PM. We can be prayer partners then. And if something happened in your life and you need Pastor Lester and I or, or Pastor, Fever, Pastor Phoebe and Pastor Eric, by all means, feel free. But to get on the phone and be chatting pals and going over what you bought at the grocery store, what new outfit you got. It's more important things to life than that right now. There is a kingdom being built and thrusting itself forward. And we are a part of that. We are a part of that. I tell you, God is so good. I'm not saying God caused anything to happen, but some of the things that has happened and shut down this this world, I tell you what, you ain't out at the shopping mall every day or every Saturday. And Friday, we have had a chance to sit and ponder over what's more important in life. You know, taking care of our families, getting out, getting food for our families, praying for people. I have a neighbor I haven't seen since all this have started. And I'm going to tell you, this neighbor hardly ever spoke to me. You know, every now and then, you know, I... When I speak to her, sometimes she just look or sometimes she act like she on the phone or she might have been on the phone, but she wouldn't even look this way because she didn't want to even speak. And that's okay. Do you realize when I noticed that I hadn't seen her and time kept growing, I began to pray for this woman and I'm still praying for her. I don't know what has happened to her, but I know she haven't been to her home And I'm concerned. And so I have been praying to God for her health, for her welfare, for her salvation. And so, you know, we can't get sidetracked with if someone's speaking to us or not. I want this young lady to be saved. I want her to make it to heaven. I want her to get to know Jesus in the pardon of her sin. That is so much more important than someone speaking to me or waving at me. We've got to be kingdom-minded. We've got to stop this being uh, so in tune with earthly things that we have no room for godly things. I'm not saying ignore everything here because you have a body, you have a home, you have a family that needs to be taken care of. But we cannot give it more of our attention than we give spiritual things our attention. And so here we see that a good trait of a leader is to not only be able to live in this earth, but also keep your mind in the heavens. We've got to do it. So here, Jesus in verse 25, he says, it starts off, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the prince of the Gentile, talking about the unsaved, they exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. So here he's talking about two levels of earthly leadership. He said, that's how they do it here on earth. You know that the princesses of the Gentile, not kings, but princesses. He's talking about that second layer, the one right under the kingship. He said, they exercise dominion over Them, in other words, they rule over them. He says, but he's saying the kings talking about the great exercise authority upon them. Verse 26, but says, But it shall not be so among you, talking among us, the children of God, the disciples. And then he goes on to say, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. This word here, minister, is translated as servant. Oh, come on now. Ooh, we don't like to hear that. Don't call me out as no servant. But that word ministers, and we carry, it's amazing that people covenant that title as a minister. But it means to be a servant. It means to serve others. I think Jesus showed how he could be a servant. So at the time where he washed his disciples' feet, they didn't wash his feet. He washed their feet. And you see, back in those days when a a traveler would come visit your home, after walking in the dust for so long and wearing sandals, the first thing that the servant of the house would do when that traveler came in, would get water, allow them to wash their hands, their face, and that servant would get down on the floor and wash their feet. And Jesus saw himself as a servant by washing his disciples' feet. And so we have to understand here by looking at Jesus, who is the greatest leader. I mean, he gave it all. He put everything out there, including his life. The greatest of leaders. We watch him as he watched the disciple feet, as he became as a servant, a slave. But then he says in verse 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. So Jesus said, I've already become that. I've already done that because I'm chief among you. But now, instead of chief among you sitting on my right hand and my left hand side, let him become a servant now. Jesus, I got to tell you, Jesus is right about everything he said. Little did James and John know that they would become great servants in the kingdom of God. Because let me tell you what happened to those two. In the book of Acts, the 12th chapter, the second verse tells us what became of James, and it reads, And he killed James, talking about Herod, the brother of John, with the sword. So you see, even though James, he was able to write a book, he was able to give some insight, he was able to help us learn His faith, he was baptized, oh my God, into death along with Jesus. Look at what happened to John, Revelation 1 and 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, oh yes, he suffered. And in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos, For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So you see, they were used mightily by the Lord. Oh yeah. They became servants, servants even unto death. And you look at this word. I I kept reading this scripture over and over where he says, we understand what he, John is saying here that, he also am your brother and companion in tribulation, which could be speaking of us all because all of God's children will see tribulation. And in the kingdom and patience, this word patient means he was preserved. You see, it listen, it was a, a, a day, it was a time that God knew that John would lose his life, his life would be taken. But he put John out there on the Isle of Patmos because he had a work for John to do. John had a few books to write. John had to see some things and write them down, some things that we needed to read about. Oh, don't you tell me God will not keep you. For the purpose that he have called you. Because John is a clear picture that God protected him, even to the point of protection of putting him out on an island by himself where no one could bother him. He preserved him for that time. And he will preserve us for a time that is yet to come in our life. And he said he was put there for the word of God. He had to write down some word, the word of God. And for the testimony, he had to testify of Jesus Christ himself. So here we see how, how it was brought to pass, their lives, how it played out for them. That they did drink of their, that cup. And they were baptized in that baptism. And I'm telling you all, there are coming a day and time when the children of God, who's here now. The cup that we're drinking is sometimes, maybe it's not that we suffered in the same manner that they did. You see, they died for Christ. But what Christ is asking us now is to live a a life for Him, a life that's pleasing unto Him, to live it, to speak of Him, to tell people about Him, and I'm telling you that that's not the easiest thing to do in today's society because people hate you because you're saved. They they will literally hate you because you know Jesus and the pardon of your sin. But here we see, they became a servant to the Lord and to the word of God. Verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Oh, my God. Here he's talking about himself. This is Jesus. You're reading along with me. You'll see your, in your Bible it's written in red letter. Letting you know that this is Jesus talking. And he's referring to himself as the son of man. He's talking about some of the things that he as a man, born as a man, have come to do. Say, he didn't come here for anybody to be a servant unto him, but he came to be a servant and to give his life a ransom for many. To give his life a ransom. In other words, this word ransom, this phrase, <coughs> excuse me, using this term ransom is very important. Because a ransom is paid on the behalf of someone who's been taken as a hostage. And so he's saying, I didn't come here to give myself for a free man. I came to give myself for a man, a woman, a child, for mankind that has been taken hostage by sin. Oh, come on now. (laughs) sin had taken us hostage. But Jesus said, I came to pay the price, the ransom, to set them free. And that he has done, Jesus, have set us free. So he, and I love what he said. He said, and not, and he said, to give his life a ransom for many. So listen to this. He knew all could be saved, but he knew that all wouldn't be saved, that it would be many. He could have said but to minister and give his life for all, but he chose not to use all because he knew that all would not turn to him. He knew that many would. So for Those many, here he is. And for any of the all who decided to join him, there was a pathway for them. Oh, look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at how he made a way regardless to what a man would decide to do. If he even would give himself to the Lord there was the ability for him to do so. I thank the Lord Jesus. I thank him. Listen to this in Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Verse 11 says, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be a base. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Listen, we have to learn that to be greatest in the kingdom of God, you're going to find yourself being the least here on earth. And you know what? That's all right. That should be all right with us because if our view, if our mindset is to propel the kingdom of God, the things that matter in the kingdom of God should be the things that matter to us. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, I'd rather be exalted in the kingdom of God any day over the things that's in the kingdom of this world. Verse 13 says, but woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You could really say, woe unto you leaders. Mm, mm, mm. Those who are supposed to be leading the people of God. He calls them hypocrites. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven. Against men, for you neither go in yourself, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. In other words, you're being a stumbling block, you're blocking the doors of heaven. And you know what a good leader will do? A good leader will open those doors. We're not gonna be hypocrites. We are going to propel the kingdom of God here on this earth as servants, as being the least that we can be propelled and exalted by God Almighty. You know, it's amazing that Even though we know it's good to think eternal because we've lived here on this earth and that's what we know and that's what we've been taught. We allow temporal things, things relating to worldly things to oppose our spiritual affairs and that we can't allow to continue to happen. We've got to think like Jesus thought. We've got to look at people and we've got to see the good in them. Do you understand a good leader can bring out something in a person that they didn't even know they had within them? And as being good leaders of God, we've got to trust God to bring that good leadership out of us. I've got to uh, close up with this testimony. I remember years back, uh, really even decades back, the impact that leadership had on me and my family, in my home. My husband and I, you know, we were newly saved. We really gave our lives to the Lord back in the early 90s. Even though we thought we grew up being saved, we thought as young adults, really, we were saved. But see, sometimes you don't understand what the real thing is. You live in that counterfeit for so long, you don't understand the real thing until you run into it. And so we went to a church you know, that God had ordained for us to go to. Was it a perfect church? No. But I got to tell you, it was some good people there. And they taught us a lot. They showed us. God used them to show us the value of good leadership. Good teaching. And at that time, that's where it was. And so we go there and... um as we studied the word, you know that's what we were taught there. You need to know the word. you cannot go on old fables of what people have said, and all these old sayings. You need the word, and so there you know, I remember one day when um my husband they were Talking and teaching and they had asked him to teach this lesson and I'll never forget when he began to talk about Speaking out of the book of Ephesians and he talked about how A husband and a wife should submit themselves one to another and he began to say because i'm a leader in my house I'm gonna submit myself He said, I'm going to show my wife. I'm going to teach her. I'm not going to ask her to do what I won't do or what I can't do. And that was a big turning point for me. It was a gigantic turning point for me in living my life as a woman of God. To see that my husband and how God had thought so much of me to give me a husband that would lead by example, that would lead from the front and not from the rear, who would go out first and would do those things that he is asking me to do. See, not only did Jesus do it for us, but he sent me a husband that if I didn't get it when Jesus Show me, or let me. Let me show you again. Let me show you through your husband. And that was a great turning point for me. Great turning point for me. It changed my life. Because, see, saints, it's one thing for us as saints to tell people how they ought to live and what they should do. And it's always they, they, they. But when will us... When will we come into play? When will it be inclusive? And that's what a good leader will do. A good leader will bring us together. A good leader will show us that we can do this together. A good leader will go out front, a good leader will will make hard decisions, will do hard things. And Jesus has shown us by giving his life. There was no one greater in leadership than him, but yet he made himself a servant unto us. And so if I don't leave anything with you, I want you to remember this, what verse 26 says. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this day, that you will propel us all to greatness. Oh, Jesus, by being servants to others. God, not that we want to be served or be ministered to, but that we will minister to and serve others. For, Father, you have said in your word, for what we do unto the least of them, we have done it unto you. You have said in your word, O oh Lord, that even when the servant came to you and you welcomed him into heaven, he said, Lord, Lord. And you said, when you fed the hungry, you have fed me. When you ministered To the prisons you ministered unto me. And they said, Lord, Lord, I never fed you. I never ministered unto you. And you said, but what you have done unto the least of them, you have done it also unto me. And God, let us take on that attribute of Jesus to be servants of others. To go around giving to what we... To those we can, to help those we can, to speak life to those we can, and not to speak death. We want to speak death unto darkness, death unto the works of the enemy. But we want to speak life unto the children of God. Lord, help us. It is my desire, our desire to be better followers of Christ Jesus, to love more, to give more, to be more in the kingdom of God by being a base and by being lowly and by being meek. Oh, Father, your word has given us a road map to greatness and that we shall be that we shall accomplish, not in our name, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I believe you will take care of us. I know you will take care of me and I will work to take care of others. Father, we wanna have a word in our mouth for every man, woman, and child that we come into a pathway with We want to give them hope by giving them your word, Lord. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we continue to lift up those who are in need, God. We continue to give of our resources to feed the hungry, God. To minister to the weak and the needy, God. To the widow's, God. All to help bind up the broken hearts of those, God, that are in need. To speak a word, God, of healing to those who are sick and to minister to those who are with in need. Lord, we thank you for you are our true example, Lord. Without you, we can do nothing. But with you, almighty God, all things are possible. We leave our lives in your hand, God. We know that you will only do good toward us, for we are your children and you are our God. And Lord, I wanna say this day, We declare our love for you, our adoration for you, God. For you, we adore, Lord. We lift your name up on high. Emmanuel, God with us. For you are our strength. You are the power in our right hand, God. Oh, Jesus. We just thank you for there is a work to be done, God. And we will do everything that you have called us to do because you have not sent us out powerless. You have sent us out with a strong hand. You have sent us out with your word, with your spirit. And God, we're just asking you to help us To see the path that we are to go in. To see it and to bring it to fruition, Lord. That we will have this. Not for ourselves, but to present to you, God. What else do we have to give you, Lord? There's nothing else that I have. Other than the fact that we know we can do all things through the Christ Jesus who strengthen us. And we will do all that you have called us to, Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you. We give you honor this day. And we will honor you with our lives, God. We will live our lives. We will live the word for you, God. And we know, Father, you're more than capable of giving us everything we need to make it come to pass. So, Lord, we love you, we thank you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen. And I now turn you back into the hands of Pastor Lester.
1: And amen. Well, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. Amen. themselves. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Good evening, good evening, good evening. This is Pastor Lester Hayes, and this is our Thursday night wisdom call tonight. I'd like to thank all of you for joining in on this Thursday night. May the 21st, amen, amen. We give God praise, glory, and honor for another Thursday night wisdom call. We're so humbly and grateful tonight for uh, Pastor Sharon, who shared a powerful word with us this morning. Just so thankful to God about the, the the way he's been feeding us and giving us fresh manna and teaching us and you know i think about the message you know it's always about the message it's not about so much the messenger but it's the message amen as long as we don't change the message we don't change the outcome because when god gives a message he said it's not going to come back forward it's going to do what he pleased in the purpose for which he sent it amen and where he sent it and so we thank the lord for the message. The message has a lot to do with the outcome, amen? And so we got to make sure that our leaders' messages are based on sound doctrine, and we're going to take a look at that tonight. There is a lot of messaging going on out there, y'all, and we spoke a few weeks ago about you know, trusting in those lying words. Wrong kind of message to get to where I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to a place of victory, y'all. And that place is always found in the Lord. And, and I hear the Lord keep asking this question, are you in the place of God? You know, and so I'm I'm going to say that to whoever's out there tonight on the platform that are going to be hearing this, this, this word tonight. Are you in a place of God? You got to be sure And that place of God is determined by the messaging that you're getting. I know there's a lot of preachers out there preaching and teaching a doctrine, but are you in the place of God? How do you determine whether you're in the place of God? It's all about the message. Is the message 100% sure that it is sound doctrine, not just some doctrine, not just some positive, you know, whatever philosophy, but are you in a place of God, where you know that the doctrine is being sound. Amen. That's the key right there to the victory that awaits you with that doctrine with that sound doctrine bring you to that victory where you can actually see that victory in your life in the life of your loved ones in the life of your friends in the life of those that you're praying for your extended family your workplace the place where you shop can you see that victory amen because if you don't have the right sound doctrine message spoken to you in love without compromise i am here to tell you there will be defeat there will not be a victory amen and so you got to make sure that I'm in that place of God and that my messenger is giving me the right message based on sound doctrine. And Lord was letting me know that this is the problem with ministry right now. This is the problem with what's going on in the earth right now. It is the messaging that's going out from the mouth of leaders right now, not only in the government, but also in the house of God. Amen. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what title you hold. Have you got the right message? You know, you can have the right messenger, but they can have the wrong message. Mm -hmm. They can have all the earthly qualifications. They could have been to the seminary. They could have been a whole lot of things. They could have certificates, five walls filled up with certificates. But you might have the right messenger. But do the messenger have the right message? Is it sound doctrine? Mm -hmm. That's the key right there because the Bible says in the book of Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, My people perish for a lack of knowledge. It didn't say for a lack of messengers, it says for a lack of knowledge. So there's a lot of messengers out there, there's a lot of leadership out there, there's a lot of people in leadership positions. But do they have the right message? Let me tell you how you know you got the right message. The right message is always showing up in the behavior of the hearer of the message or their behavior any different before you ever publish the message than when they do after they hear the message? Is it bringing about any change in their lives? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's the key right there. Is the believers that are hearing what you're saying Are there any change to their behavior? Have your behavior changed as you begin to give the message, amen? Because if you don't let the message change you, I'm here to tell you it will not change them, amen? Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we base everything on have the hearers of the message change. So, Pastor, what kind of change should we be looking for? That they're not just showing up, Hearing the message, Pastor Sharon, but they're now being led to go do something that corresponds with the message. Amen. That's how it doesn't come back void. Is it bearing any fruit that where God can be glorified, where you can see the victory? Amen. That comes with the message that is associated with the message. And so that's kind of where he's been dealing with me uh, tonight. Amen. So I want to read you a passage of scripture. Out of the book of Genesis, the preface where I'm going in the book of Titus, the second chapter tonight, but I just thought this was so awesome how God just confirmed this thing to me about turning this thing around. See, the message turns things around. Mm. The message will turn things around. You know, the devil always mean it for your bad, and he plays on the fact that we don't have no knowledge about the victory. We don't have no knowledge how to get the victory, you know. And so it's that... area right there where he defeats us Mm -hmm. it's based on the the lack of the the message the right message the sound doctrine because that's what's going to bring the right change and bring the victory amen according to God's perspective Mm -hmm. amen not how I feel not what I think you know but 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 it's got to be just that sure to me that God you said you know y'all know how we do it God this is what You said, I don't know why so many messengers are so afraid to just say, God, this is what you said. It's got to be about them. They got to get all the credit. They got to get all the glory. They got to make people feel like I came up with this. I'm so deep. I'm so, you know, I'm so great in God. This is me right here. You know, I learned this in the seminary. I got all these qualifications, you know, and you could have the right messenger but they can have the wrong message, amen. Yeah. The message I'm talking about is the one where God gets all the glory, where you see him, that, that the devil, the enemy meant for bad. Yeah. You see God take that thing, man, and spin it back around and turn it back around and work it out together for yeah. your good so you can see the victory. Somebody say, I will see the victory. I will see the victory because that, that the devil has always meant for my bad when I was ignorant and have no knowledge of God, he tried to kill and destroy me but Jesus messed around (coughs) and showed up in my life one day come on somebody and gave me life and has given it to me more abundantly and And now my eyes are beginning to behold and see wondrous things from his plan of salvation because somebody told me to go read James the first chapter verses 25 through 27 and look in that perfect law of liberty and just continue to look in there staying there remaining there my God and I was going to have success and I was going to have good Success! My God, some of you having the best time of your life serving God right now. Some of you are seeing the victory right now. You're seeing it in your own life. You're seeing a trail of victory where you left from where you was at in Egypt and Lodabar. And now you've just been going along, stringing them victories one after the other. Mm. And now you're looking back over your life and you know how you got over. Because Jesus conquered that victory on the cross for you. And somebody messed around one day and told you about it. And now, my God, every day of your life you can see the victory because you believe that. Amen? Amen. And so it's not the messenger, but it's the message. You left some messengers and you started chasing the message. I'm talking to somebody right now. Ain't you glad that you left the messenger and you started chasing the message? (laughs) You started chasing after what thus said the Lord. You wanted to know what was God saying to you. Amen? You knew what people were saying to you, but you wasn't so sure about what they were saying. But my God, when you mess around, Pastor Sharon, and you took a look into that perfect law of liberty and you saw things in there you said i like this message right here it started speaking to you it went from being logos it lit up and transformed into rhema it started living in you it started quickening you i'm telling you it started discerning some things it started convicting you and before you know it you were totally free because you heard the Lord say, I will that you know the truth, and the truth yes, make you free. Yes, and Lord. he who the Son has set free yes. is free indeed. Yes. And you have been standing fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free ever since. And you refuse to be entangled with the yoke of bondage again. Why? It's because you see the victory. You don't want to blow it. You don't want to jeopardize it. You see the victory. So you keep on pressing toward the mark for the prize of the higher calling All in right. God in Christ Jesus, you're forgetting those things that are behind you, come on somebody because there ain't nothing to go back to come on, come on, come on you left Sodom and Gomorrah, you done left Egypt come on, you out of the desert yes. now so let me read you this right here and I want you to think, it's in the book of Genesis the last chapter and this is Joseph chapter 50 and I want to begin reading here at uh, verse number 19 to the end of the chapter this is my preference tonight and this is Joseph right here. And Joseph is, is, is fighting against a, a major situation in his personal life. He, he, the spirit of God in him is telling him to, his message should be one of encouragement. Uh, but there's that other thing fighting over his thoughts, trying to have him to think some evil things about some situation that happened to him. That happened to him by way of his brothers. Amen. He's in a position now where he can help them. Why? David has, I mean, Joseph has had, he got the victory now. Mm -hmm. He listened to what God had told him in that dream. He didn't forget it. He held on to it. And because of that message, he never let that message change in his heart. Mm -hmm. Even when he was sold in slavery by his brothers, even when they went back and lied to his father and they thought he was dead, you know, and they took back that multicolored jacket that his mama had made for him and they had blood on it. And they lied about it, but but thank God that he ended up down there in Egypt. And because he held on to the message that God had put in his heart, he held on to the vision that God had gave him that his brothers now refused. And he had told them back then, Pastor Sherwin, he Don't said, I saw a, a a vision that God gave me in a dream where y'all was going to be serving me. He's a little young boy out there, man, Tennessee. And they, they got mad at him, you know, and wanted him to shut up. And he said, y'all going to bow to me. You're going to serve me. You know, I'm going to be over y'all. Y'all going to be worshiping me. And they didn't want to hear it, man. They got furious and they threw him in that ditch, man. And and some some travelers came along. They wanted him to die in that ditch to shut him up. Let me tell you something. When you got the right message, can't nobody shut you up. When you got the right message, and that thing start burning in your heart. You don't stop saying what does say the Lord. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of titles you got. You don't replace the message of God with your own message. Come on, somebody. You don't mix it with your tradition. You don't add a little bit of this and a little bit of that because that doesn't guarantee you the victory. Joseph is seeing the victory right now based on the vision and the dream and the word that he got from the Lord in the dream many, many years ago. So let's take a look at this thing, man, at the manifestation of it. Listen at him. He says, and Joseph said unto them, this is verse 19, the 50th chapter of the book of Genesis, them, talking about his family, fear not, for I am in the place of God. Now he dreamed about it back then, Pastor James. Now it done come to pass. Now he's seeing the victory. He saw it before it got this far, but this is how it's concluding right now. He said, I love this thing, that the beginning of this thing wasn't that, it don't matter how you begin. What matters is how you finish, you know, it's how you end it, you know. And so look at what he's saying there. He says, I'm in a place of God. The message I heard in my dream back then has brought me to a place in God. He's the second in charge here in Pharaoh's camp, man. He poses. I'm telling you, and he posed a question to him, man. You know, he said, am I in the place of God? Y'all take a look at me. Is it not the way I said it was before because I never changed the message? Now you're actually seeing the victory. He said, y'all are seeing the victory. Oh, you will see the victory. I don't care where you at, you're going to see the victory. And others who have doubted you, they're going to see the victory. Mm-hmm. Some of them that have caused you, man, some doubt, they're going to they see the victory. Everybody going to see the victory in your life. But you got to see it. And I mean, he's seeing it, man. He letting them know. Then 20, he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Y'all got to think about this thing, man. This podcast is reaching places, man that a lot of messengers would dare reach. To me, that's victory. To me, that's victory. When God wants to reach people that think they have life but don't have life, because the life they have, it's temporary. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's like a vapor. But he wants to bring them eternal life. And God has opened up a way to be able to bring that victory over death, over sin's dominion, into all these places so that these people can have life and have victory in that life that God is bringing to them through the living word, through the spoken word, to the truth going out there. Because a lot of them out there right now in some of these countries, these third world countries, and some of these remote locations, and some of these places where there's never been no gospel message, there's never been any truth. There's been messages going out, but it has not been God's message. And now it's reaching these places to bring victory in these places so that these people can hear the truth and the truth make them free. It ain't my word, it's God's word. It's his message. We're not changing it. We're not trying to make it sound spectacular and all that. We're just giving what thus says the Lord. We're not changing the message because it gonna, in order for us to get the right difference in the behavior of the people on the receiving end, it's got to be pure, unadulterated, authentic word of God. That's the truth, moral, ethical truth. It's the same for everybody. No respect the person. It will save anybody and everybody who can hear it. Why? It's because Paul said in the book of Romans, Chapter 1, verse 16, he, he says, Look, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who shall believe it. But how can they believe it except they hear it? And how can they hear it except some messenger preach it and teach it? Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news of the gospel. And he said, This word is not coming back void. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. But not my word. Not my word. There's power in the word. It is the truth, you know. And so that message cannot change. And we thank God right now that there are those out there in those places that are hearing the word right now. And the word is making a difference. The word is making a difference. He said the message that you send out there. (coughs) Pastor Sheridan, in order for it to yield the victory that God is sending it for it has to be sound doctrine. Yes. And it can't be no... Look Look here, let me tell you something. I wrote in my margin in my Bible, it says this. It says that the pure the doctrine, the pure the personal behavior in the believers. Mm. And so we cutting it straight. We study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not be ashamed that we might rightly divide the word of truth. We mixing a little bit of this with a little bit of that. Come on. Trying to make it work. We ain't coming up with no schemes. It's just the more the pure the doctrine is, the more the pure the personal behavior is. You will see the victory, says the Lord. Here it is right here. Joseph never let the trials, the struggles. I mean, he was put in prison in that that place. He went through some horrible things. He was tempted by part of his wife. He went through all of that. She tried to throw lust on him, you know, tried to seduce him. He went through all of that. But the man's gift in him made room for him and brought him before great men. He impressed Potter. He impressed the guy was in charge. He went in the enemy's camp and did this. Don't tell me God's word will work in the enemy's camp just like it'll work in anybody else's camp. You can't muzzle that word, you can't hide that word. It'll make room for you. And so he says to them, man, look at verse 20. He says, but as for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Look at what he's saying. This word is going out right now. you all over this podcast and it's saving lives. It's helping people. People are hearing the truth. They're beginning to hope again and believe again. Yeah. They're hearing a message that they haven't heard. And you know what? We ain't sending no cash out, you know, link to them either. We ain't asking them, you got to send me this and sow this and do that. No, we've got seed from the soil. We're sowing seed. And the word is a seed. First uh, that seed, then that blade, then that full ear in the blade. Then we can go in and gather the harvest. Amen. It ain't about that look at what he said in the verse 21 now therefore fear ye not, fear ye not. <clears throat> I'm so glad that the word had changed David, uh, Joseph's mind had renewed his mind he finally saw the victory now he instead of having evil thoughts toward them he said look my mind been renewed by the word I, I saw the victory I see the victory I see y'all right here now I see y'all You know, God show y'all, y'all to me I can see the victory now. You know. And he said, but don't be afraid. I ain't thinking no evil thoughts to you. I got so much power right now, I could just destroy all of y'all. He said, but no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. Because that's not what the message turned me into. The message changed my behavior, said Joseph. I'm a leader now. Y'all were the leaders first, but you threw me in the pit. But I'm not going to do you like you did. I'm, vengeance is God's. I'm not going to do you. I'm not going to deal with you the way you dealt with me because the message I heard was from God. I don't know what message you heard when y'all was trying to kill me, get rid of me. I was trying to tell you then I heard a message from God. But you doubted it. He said, but because I heard a message and the message changed me, came directly from God, I'm going to show you how that message changed me. I'm going to help you have victory in your life. Look at what he says to him. He said, don't fear. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Man, look at that victory. <clears throat> Over them evil thoughts that he was authorized to have against them. Look at verse 22. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt. He and his father's house. And Joseph lived 110 years, 23. And Joseph saw Ephraim children of the third generation. Look at how long they enjoyed victory. Look at how long they enjoyed victory now. Because he never changed the message. Now he's a leader. He's leading his family. He's leading down there in Egypt. Nobody bothering him. God said, I'll make your enemies be at peace with you. When you are established on the word of God and you keep your mind stayed on him, I can just see Joseph, man, through all them years of transition, Pastor. Mm -hmm. He kept his mind stayed on the Lord. He kept his mind stayed on what God had told him in that dream. Now he's able to share that victory and he's seeing this victory. How many generations? He said to the third generation of his brother's children, of his own children and grandchildren. 110 years. And he wasn't an old guy when this took place, but he lived 110 years. He saw three generations of victory. In the least place you would expect him to see a victory. Had every right to put them to death. And he goes on to say here, man, in verse 24, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die now, and God will surely visit you, and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath, listen to that, of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and uh, embalmed him. they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Mm. Now, let me tell you what's so powerful about that. The man didn't only finish his life out in victory. Mm. The man didn't even have years of per- perpetual victories and breakthroughs. But the man died in victory. Come on. Come on, y'all. He died in victory. Let me tell you something. That's how I want to go out. Come on. In the victory. Not in defeat. Come on, y'all, because we know the enemy comes but for to kill, to steal, and destroy. But as we can see here, the Lord came into Joseph's life that Joseph might have life and that he might have that life more abundantly all the way to the end. He endured to the end, worked out his own salvation with fear and trembling all the way to the end, held on to the message He became a leader, second in charge, but he didn't change the message. Circumstances and situations changed all around him all the time, but Joseph did not change the message. He saw before he departed what God told him he was going to see, his brothers bowing down before him, begging for their life. And they saw it just the way he had told it to them before. So now they got the victory because he didn't kill them or have them put to death. He said, you meant it for my, my bed, I know. But it was the devil behind it. He had his hand on Y'all didn't have the right message. You didn't have the right message. You would have killed me. You didn't have the right message. But because I had the right message, God didn't let me die. He kept me alive. Mm. He didn't want me to die. He wanted me to live so I could declare the, the works of the Lord in the earth. I had to declare this to y'all at the end. So let's go over to Titus now, the second chapter. And we want to take a look at the message. You know, we want to take a look at the message. When the leader's message is sound doctrine, the behavior of the hearers will be very different. Now, these are not the same family members and brothers that they were when when he first shared with them. Something done changed, y'all. Now they're hearing that same message. He didn't change it. Why? He was in a place of God right now. He asked him a question. Am I in a place of God? In other words, I'm in a place of God. So you ain't going to hear my evil thoughts. You're going to hear my encouraging thoughts. Mm-hmm. I got every right to the dog y'all out What well, y'all did me, what you put me through. I'm talking to somebody right now. Mm-hmm. Let vengeance be God. You don't try to get even. You don't try to use that authority in that position to try to get even. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be first partaker of that message. You got to hear that message. You got to hang on to that message. Don't change that message. Oh, no. And if some message comes along with a different message than you're hearing in the place of God, you got to ask yourself a question. Am I in the place of God? No, no. I am move, not moving out of this place until the Lord bless me. He ain't only going to bless you. He going to bless your household as you see right there. Mm-hmm. And so let's see right here, man, what this message is about sound doctrine over here in the second chapter. And this is all about leadership. Leadership is really uh, certified based on the message. If you are God's leader, then you are certified by distributing, publishing, preaching, teaching His message. That's your certification. Mm-hmm. Not some real pretty card, business card somebody gave you. Not some contract for 12 months where you got to pay $50 every month to maintain that and don't never preach. Come on. The certification is your message. That's what certified. You're known by the message. As an ambassador of Christ, you are known by the message. Not your philosophy, not your enticing words, not your excellency of speech. I don't mm-hmm. care how you finagle scripture to make it fit into what you want to do. I don't care how much of your righteousness you put in there. I don't care how much of your leaven you put in there. See, it ain't the messenger anyway, it's the message. <clears throat> And if the message is right, the message is because the messenger is right. And if the message ain't right, it's because the messenger ain't right. Let's just face it. Every messenger's message causes a certain uh, difference in a believer, Pastor Sharon. Either it's gonna cause doubt, or it's gonna cause uh, confidence in God or in the message. There's always gonna be an impact and an effect, and it all stems with the message. Doesn't care about the messenger, but the message. The message is going to either cause that believer, that person who hear it, to act in a different way, or they're going to act in the same way they've always acted, even though they say they say. The power is in the message. That's sound doctrine. Let's go here. Verse 1, second chapter of the book of Titus, uh, verse 1. And it says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine." Talking to the messengers now, the leaders, the preachers, the teachers, you know, all these title holders. Mm -hmm. He says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So he's telling you right there, this should be the standard right here. This should be your certification right here. If you're speaking on the behalf of God, if you've been sent out by God, your behavior is what gives you away as a minister. So you're going to have to live Look now, look, you ain't going to get away with just telling people you're going to have to live and teach sound doctrine. Most people are school trained with their little titles and and, and, and little little handles on their names. And they think that authorized them to just say, you got to do this and you better do this. And God going to do this. If you don't do this, they forget about your best sermon is the one you live. And if you're not going to live what you preach, then don't preach what you preach. That's just the way it is. He says, speak those things that be of sound doctrine. In other words, if you live in it, you can speak it. If you ain't living it, you ain't authorized to speak it. That's what he's saying. Cause it's having an effect on the hearers. And the impact or the outcome of the results have to be like Joseph. It has to put you in a better position of victory so you can bring victory in somebody else's life, starting with your family, starting with you. And so if you ain't having no victory, then I ain't going to have no victory. Then none of my children, grandchildren, friends, or nobody else going to have no victory. Yeah, you can tell me a whole lot of things, but you still out there, man, operating in lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. You out there telling me what to do based on the the word, and you operate on the down low. Mm. You out there having a homosexual relationship. You out there got a little something, something on the side with your title. You ain't the right messenger because you ain't living what you preaching and what you teaching. And you can go read the articles. You can go see you know, the results out there. This has all been investigated, posted out there brought shame to a lot of the ministries and the people out there in the, in the, in the, in the congregation. Listen to me now. Listen to how different their behavior was. Oh, he's just a man. Mm. Everybody got some skeletons. Mm. See, when the messenger is not right, the message can be right, but look at what happens to the people. They looking at the messenger and not the message. And it ain't getting the right change. It ain't changing them the way it should change them. So they're going to be living with that excuse hanging over them and saying, well, you know, he did it. Mm-hmm. So, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now they're expecting everybody to, you know, to wink at what they're doing. Mm. But the Lord ain't winking at sin no more. No. He's saying, hey, look at here. Ways of sin is death to give to God the eternal life. So the message got to be right. And the messenger got to be right. You got to live what you preach. Live what you teach. If not, sit down. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write the Bible. I got to live by the same standard. I was reading something today by some, some minister. I don't know what he was talking about. It was crazy. Nobody here don't understand why black preachers and all that like to attack other preachers. We ain't attacking nobody. We are preaching sound doctrine. We're teaching sound doctrine so that the people can change their behavior that hear it. Mm -hmm. Because we want them to see the victory. Mm. Verse 2. He says, That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and in charity, and in patience. Why? We ought to be ashamed of how some of these older men are out there operating right now. Some of these older deacons out there right now. Got lust all over them. Deacon boy, All of them contaminated with lust. I know because I done been in some of those churches and sat there with their pastors waving money at some of the single women going up in the choir. Talking about, "Mm mm-mm, I wish I could get me some of that. Disgusting. And they set up these deacon boards and they set up these, these, these armor-bearer units and, and these parking lot attendants, man, based on brothers from the brotherhood. They ain't even saved. Still smoking cigars, wearing earrings, got tattoos all over their body. Well beyond their age, trying to be young and, 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 fat, fat, and, and fabulous and all that, just as hoish as they can be. Women ain't the only one. Just as flirtatious as they can be. And I don't, I'm, I don't care about nobody getting mad at me. It's the truth. I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I witnessed. In the house of God. And I ain't mad at any of them. But it messes with your message. It takes away the effectiveness of your message. Because you ain't living what you're preaching. You're just throwing some stuff out there. It ain't even gospel. It wasn't true, man. I ain't going to get on here and make up this stuff. It's out there. It's going on right now. Right now. You watch. You'll be another scandal in another couple of days. It happens all the time. So he said, hey, aged men, he said, your behavior, the older men, your behavior, okay? It should be an example of maturity in the things of God. I don't have had too many young males that I have met on the street out of church, out of school, just out there hustling and in conversation with them. You must be a preacher, yes. I don't go to church I used to. Why don't you go anymore? Hmm, I see Reb over there, man, in the same housing everywhere. where my girlfriend at. He got him a little something, something over there, Cadillac B. parked in the back, I see him. And then he's going to get up in the pulpit and tell me about my sin. I ain't making this stuff up. I don't blame them young folks. You the wrong messenger for them. Oh, they, they want to hear the truth. But they just want to make sure they're hearing it from the right messenger. So we got to live with some maturity. Old, older men. Amen. Well, you know what Joel 2, 28 and 31 says, in the last days he was going to pour his spirit out on those old men. They need, why would they need the spirit poured out on them, Pastor Because they ain't living right. They ain't acting mature. They ain't living up to their age. They're just doing whatever they feel like they're doing. God going to need to pour his spirit out on them to break that cycle. Because these preachers ain't preaching no message that's convicting them. So they got to wait for God to pour his spirit out on them. So they can dream a different dream or maybe see a different vision. And some of those young guys that want to go to church, they'll start seeing some things too. They'll start seeing some different visions. Look at verse 2 again. You know, he said, the behavior of older men, it's got to be an example of maturity, and they got to be, they, look at what it said. he said, and sound in faith and in charity and in patience. So he said they got to show some sound faith. Not some wishy-washy faith, but some sound faith. And you can't have faith unless you hear it by the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Not not just somebody up there talking. Not somebody up there speaking to your itching ears, telling you what you want to hear. Not somebody up there telling you, hey, give me an amen. Spent seven minutes getting amens. Never gave you no word, because there ain't no word. The bank is broke. The tank is empty. And they give you seven minutes of foot stomping, asking you for an amen, and they think they done preach salvation to you. It wasn't sound doctrine. It wasn't pure, sound doctrine. And so therefore, there is no pure behavior, and we will not see the victory. Look at verse 3. The aged women, likewise... That they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So their behavior, women, you ain't off the hook. Your behavior have to be of such too that you be an example of holiness and reverence for the younger women. This is what got the church all messed up, you know. You got to teach the younger women. Don't sit over there with your big hat on. Don't know your place. Don't understand that in Acts the second chapter, the Lord already done poured His Spirit out on His maid servants and His men servants. Find your voice too. The young women are waiting to be taught by you. Not you sitting back with your hands crossed your chest, looking at them, talking about that heresy come up in here with that skirt all up there in her butt. That's what's going on. No wonder. No wonder. Because we ain't teaching them nothing. You acting like you done died and went to heaven and your place is secure. And you live in a defeated life. Because you so submissive. And you love being called the first lady of the church. When the Lord has said, look, I call you and your husband to submit to each other. As it is unto the Lord. You know, I understand if you're blind, you don't try to lead nobody because blind can't lead the blind. But this is what happens when the message is not right. It keeps people in bondage. The older men can't be an example for the younger men. The older women can't teach the young women nothing. Too judgmental. Care about you being in there 80 years and that's been your spot and your place and you're not finna let nobody come in there and challenge you with well, your husband watching them. He's looking at him. If he get a half a chance, he'll have him back there in the office or somewhere, meeting him somewhere, to what's happening out there. That's the real world. It ain't the message. It's the messenger. God's message don't change. You ain't authorized to change it. You ain't authorized to mix a little bit of this with a little bit of that. The pure of the doctrine from the leaders, the messengers, speaking on the behalf of God, the pure their behavior is going to be from the young men and the young girls who right now out of the church living however they want to live because they ain't been taught nothing and y'all dogging them out every time you see them I wish that boy would pull up his pants I wish that, that girl was you know stay with my son you ain't taught them nothing you don't want to teach them nothing you don't even want to be involved with them because you think you got heaven all secure for yourself Jesus said I want you to know the truth and the truth make you free he who the Son is set free is free indeed. Not your tradition, not your messenger, but the message from God. That's sound doctrine. That's what frees you. That's what releases you. That's what renew your mind so you can think differently about people. Joseph said, Look, I'm not only going to be a blessing to you, but to your young ones too. He want, I want all of them, for the, all the, he said, for the next three generations, I want all of them to be blessed by God. Verse number four. He says that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Looking at that. This is the kind of behavior right here to be an example of purity. Of purity. I know, you know, some of, some, of, some of those older women sitting over there, they men watching too. You know you're trying to get even with your husband because you know he's messing around. And so you start looking around. Your eyeballs start wondering. And don't let one of them little young boys come in there who like older women and see you. Or you'll think you hot stuff. Somebody uh, an that that's, that's, twice, that's you twice their age looking at you. Stuff is going on, y'all. You know what? The church done turned into a patent place. And we know who's responsible for it. Because we don't treat it like a place of God. It's probably why the doors are shut right now. And they're fighting to try to get back in there so they can pick up and do business as usual. But in the meantime, God is putting a message out there for his leaders. And he's saying, hey, look, you got to live and teach and preach sound doctrine. Don't change my message. Not after this, when I release this and these doors open again, don't change my message. Give my people something to eat, leaders. Verse 5. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient <clears throat> to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Y'all better hear me up in here. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, in doctrine, showing uncorruptiveness, gravity, sincerity, 8, verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So he's calling for God's message to bring about a certain standard, not a certain slander. The behavior of the younger men will change. The behavior of the teachers and the young ministers have to change. What he saying there? Number verse, verse nine: Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and do and to please them well in all things, not answering again. So he's saying the behavior. And he says a slave here, but really what he's talking about is a servant here. He's not talking about a slave as we think about slave. In other words, we heard this morning, the greatest in the kingdom is a servant. He who serves. So he's speaking to the servants right here. They're not there to serve you pastors, leaders, whoever. You don't need 19 armor bears to carry your Bible and get you water. Open your car door and all of that. Don't know nothing about no word. Wanting wanting your anointing, not God's anointing. He said, This behavior of a slave of a Christian work workman, talking about a servant, is to be an example of obedience. Not to you, but to God. Don't be confused about that, leaders. Stop making people serve you and you serve the people. That's what we learned this morning. The greatest in the kingdom. The woman prayed. That human ambition she prayed was for her sons to sit with Jesus in high places. Her sons came to Jesus and wanted to know who going to be the greatest. That, all that human ambition. No place for it. What about the will of God? The purpose of God? The plan of God? What about doing it his way? Jesus was a servant. And he waited to be glorified after he had served his father. All the way to death serve his those people his people god's people all the way to death and he took so much delight and pleasure in doing it because he knew it was pleasing his father who are y'all pleasing with all this stuff y'all doing you don't have to answer me just answer god you in a place of god are you that's who you're gonna have to answer to or are you in your own place or is it your church your family church That's why I don't tell people, don't be telling you coming to Pastor Lester Church. They ain't got no church. That's God's house where everybody's somebody special. Well, treat everybody as somebody special. Don't have your little certain social club in the church that cater to you. Run out the door every time your car pulls up. Run back in the church and tell everybody, here come the pastor. They pulling up now. They parking. That ain't God. Not telling you not to respect them, but don't worship them. You're in a place of God. He gets all the praise. He gets all the glory. He gets all the worship. Because if you start worshiping the the master, making them the master, I guarantee you, the message will be jacked all up because it'll be creating more of the same. They'll be talking more about what you did for them than what what God promised he wanted to do for you, the hearer out there. But if you ain't hearing no sound doctrine because the messenger ain't living no sound doctrine, all of us are going to fall in the ditch and perish. Let's go a little further here. Get down to verse 10 and we're going to stop right there. He said, Exhort servants to be obedient. Them slaves Are we talking about. He calls them servants here. Exhort servants, encourage them to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Now, he went, their own masters he's talking about here is this. David, uh, Joseph said to his brothers, am I in a place of God? So I got to be faithful to God, my master. I got to do what he told me to do. I, I could have some evil thoughts about how y'all treated me. He said, but I'm in a place with God. That's my master. Pharaoh ain't my master. God is my master. He let the gift in me make room for me and bought me before Pharaoh. But he's my master. I serve him. So don't be confused when they say your master. It's talking about God. Don't put man in the place of God, leaders. Verse 10, and we're going to end right here for tonight, maybe. It says, not prolonging, but showing all good things. Fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God as Savior in all things. Not some things. You ain't going to put your leader before God in some things and then put him after God. No, you can't do that. It's always got to be all the time God. God. Be thankful for your pastors. Be thankful for your leaders. But don't make no gods out of them. They're not gods. They're vessels. They're people of God. They're leaders after God's own heart. We hope and pray that's what they are. But that's what they should be. That's the ideal profile, is that they be after God, and you follow them as they follow Christ. If not, don't follow nobody. Don't follow me. If I ain't following Christ, don't you follow me. That's not going to help you. That's going to hurt you. That's going to hurt you, your family, and everybody else that's following you and looking to you. I ain't afraid to say that. if Pastor Sharon and I stop following God, Pastor Papy, Pastor, y'all better follow somebody else that's following God. If our message changed, then hey, you recognize that change and you go where you can get some word. But I doubt if that, that happened with us. I just doubt that because we fear God and we can't change His message. There's a danger in that. We can't mix nothing with it. we can't put no this in it, no that in it. We don't come with the excellence of our speech, enticing words, philosophy, tradition of men, because so we know what the impact is. It makes the glorious gospel of no effect. It weakens the message. And when the message is weakened, guess what? The behavior, the personal behavior of the hearer is weakened. You're not giving them a chance to experience victory, to see victory. You're shortchanging the people. And there's a lot of watered down stuff going on out there. There's a lot of gospel out there, but it ain't the gospel. It has no power in it. Yeah, it gets you excited because the messenger is going through all their charisma. They got the hump in the back. They groaning. They sweating profusely. They busting buttons on their jackets and y'all getting all excited and talking about that's anointing. But you ain't hearing the message and then you see an hour later, oh my God, at Popeye's, you talking about how your preacher preached and asked you what did they say? What scripture did they use? I don't know about all that but I know I felt the hair on my arm. My toes were praising God. And next week you crying boohoo tears because you ain't, you you know, you're getting beat up. And you're talking about the devil after me again. And you can't call your pastor. You got to wait till next Sunday. Because so they too busy to take personal calls. And pray with you personally and counsel you one on one. You don't even know their number. You don't even know how to get in contact with them. And if you call one of them deacons, they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, I can come out there. And, you know, I can come out there and help you work it out. Yeah, I can come by. You yeah, know, what, what, what time are you going to be home? Yeah, i stop by. Now, you know it's going to cost you. Y'all know this stuff is true. You ain't going to admit it, but I'll say it for you. All right, then. Well, that's the last verse right here. Uh, and then we're going to close. Verse 11. For the grace of God. That bringeth salvation. Have appeared unto all men. The grace of God. So nobody is with excuse. Because the grace of God has appeared unto all men. All men. It's out there. God's grace is out there. You can't earn that. It's unmerited favor. Can't earn it. Don't deserve it. Mercy. New every morning. Why ain't the leaders preaching and teaching this sound doctrine so that the behavior of the people can change, can make a difference. We're seeing too many people living in the feet right now. And Joseph said, no, I'm not going to do what I think y'all deserve, where y'all treated me, but I'm going to encourage you all. I'm going to make sure I share this blessing with you and with all your family All of Ephraim's children, grandchildren, and everybody else that's a part of the family. Even your friends are going to be blessed. I'm in the position to do it now. And so leaders, don't you be the ones who want people to bless you. You be a blessing to the people. And God will take care of you. Live up to your, 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 your title. Live up to the calling of God on your life. Just preach and teach and live sound doctrine. Start with sound doctrine. You don't have to manipulate, exploit, twist, and change stuff to make it fit, to make it work. It's God's word. He will give increase. Some plant, some water, but God will give increase. If you just plant the seed, first there will be a seed, then a blade, then a full ear in the blade, says the Lord. Harvest time is coming, but we got to plant the seeds right now. This is seed time and harvest ever since the earth. He said as long as the earth remains, it's going to be seed time, harvest, summer and winter. And so we have to keep doing it God's way. He's given seed to the sower. That's us leaders. We've been given the seed of the word to sow it. Instant, in season and out of season. Let God worry about the harvest. Look out on the fields. It's already white with plenty, but the labors are few. And we pray tonight to the God of the harvest that he will send forth more labors into the vineyard that will labor with him as servants. Serving him and serving his people the way he served them, following his example, imitating him. Not doing my own righteousness, not doing my own thing. Out of my own spirit. Not high behind my title, my degree, my certificates. All right. All right. But certified by the, by the word. Because the word has sanctified me. The word has consecrated me. The word has purified me. The word has cleansed me. The word has renewed my mind. The word has certified me. Yes, it has. Sanctified me for good work. Because good work. it's the truth. All right, then, we're going to end right there for tonight. Hopefully you got something out of this. Uh, Amen. As leaders, our message has to be based on sound doctrine, not what I say so much as what I live. All right, then, well, we thank the Lord tonight, the pure of the doctrine, the pure of the personal behavior of the hearer. All right, then, well, bless God, bless God, bless God.